Hey, stranger! The Opus is moving out and into a new season as we continue to explore the ongoing legacy of music's most iconic records. I'm your host, Adam Unz, and this season we're celebrating the 45th anniversary of Billy Joel's fifth studio album, The Stranger, a record whose critical and commercial success catapulted the piano man to superstardom. Helping us explore this classic collection are artists like Billy Joel's drummer Liberty DeVito, Regina Spector, Andrew McMahon in the Wilderness, Rozzy, Lissy, The Arkells, Bayside's Anthony Renari, and Ben Folds. Great music shapes lives, shakes rafters, and embeds itself into our culture. So let's find out why only the good die young as we deep dive into The Stranger. The new season is out now and is brought to you by the Consequence Podcast Network and Sony Legacy Recordings. Find us at consequence.net or wherever you get your podcasts. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Consequence Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to the Spark Parade, where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz, at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks ever so much for joining me. My guest this time around is Ariane Samhadri, one of the stars of Disney Plus's huge new Percy Jackson series, who spoke to me about his spark, The Devil Wears Prada, the movie, not the book obviously. I had so much fun talking to Ariane about this movie, um, partially because I fucking love talking about Meryl Streep, but also because Ariane is a sweet, smart guy who does a really good job of articulating why this movie means so much to him. And that's exactly what I want from a guest, you know? So let's get to it. Quick Ariane facts. Ariane Simhadri is an Irvine, California-based actor. An energetic and outgoing performer, Ariane was first scouted by Kids Acting School ICT in Orange County at the age of four. He has since been seen in the Disney Plus reboot of Cheaper by the Dozen alongside Zach Braff and Gabrielle Union. And he also had a starring role as the lead in Disney Channel's original movie, Spin, the first to feature a Southeast Asian Indian cast as the leads. As a reminder, you can catch Ariane as Grover in Percy Jackson and the Olympians on Disney Plus, and the final episode of the season drops this coming Wednesday, January 31st. Quick Devil Wears Prada facts. The Devil Wears Prada is a 2006 comedy drama film based on Lauren Weisberger's 2003 novel of the same name. It stars Meryl Streep as Miranda Priestly, a powerful fashion magazine editor, and Anne Hathaway as Andrea Sachs, a college graduate who goes to New York City and lands a job as Priestley's assistant. It also stars Emily Blunt and Stanley Tucci. The film received positive reviews from critics, with Streep's performance receiving widespread critical acclaim, thus earning her numerous awards and nominations, including a Golden Globe Award and a nomination for an Academy Award. The film was a hit, grossing over $326 million worldwide against its $41 million budget, and it was the 12th highest grossing film worldwide in 2006. And there you have it. Let's get down to business. 
Here comes my chat with Aryan Simhadri about The Devil Wears Prada. Do you remember seeing The Devil Wears Prada for the first time, hearing about it, any of that stuff? I do, yeah. Um, I I watched the mom, I'm sorry, I watched the movie with my mom, like, oh, years ago, I can't remember when, but it's, she just insisted that I, I see this movie, and she's like, oh, Meryl Streep's in it, Hathaway, and I kind of heard about, like, Meryl Streep, just, you know, from being in acting, and I was like, yeah, all right, I, I guess I'll watch it. I'm not being into the like she you know she usually watches like rom-coms which I'm not super into mm. but I ended up watching it and it's I don't know I, I like couldn't stop watching it after it was and I watched it at a young enough age where it's it was kind of the first time where I realized that I should start taking acting a little more seriously yeah it's it's funny like you saying that it's a rom-com because it's almost like the the romances between Anne Hathaway and Meryl Streep or something like the you know her her boyfriend is kind of beside the point. <laughs> Dude, that um the I just watched it last night like completely unrelated to this that, that guy like the Christian or whatever his name is which is the worst. Yeah, yeah, I was reading a lot of stuff in in preparation for this, and so many people talk about how you know in theory Meryl Streep is the villain of the movie, but. In reality, it's the boyfriend and he's constantly, you know, when she's saying, or I mean, you know, Meryl Streep is not the nicest person in the world. They're both villains, but the boyfriend is, you know, uh, Anne Hathaway says she had an interview for this job and he kind of looks her up and down and is like, oh, was it a phone interview? Like, you know, basically saying you look like trash and it's like a really supportive guy. (laughs) Yeah. I, that one I feel like was. I think it was kind of an insight onto kind of where his character goes. Cause you know, he starts out kind of, I think like the beginning of the movie where he like kind of cracks that joke is like, Oh, he's with his friends. He's, you know, it's his girl. Like it's all right. Maybe not the greatest joke, but I guess you could see like what his intentions were. But as the movie kind of goes forward, you're like, was he joking when he said that? Right. Yeah. He's, I don't know. It's weird. Like every character, I think one of the, the best things about this movie is like every character's like someone you could be like i guess i could see where they're coming from like even with the boyfriend you're like i guess you know i could see how someone would feel neglected in that sense but you know i think it's up to everyone to be like all right it's just it's just subjective movie and i think that's one of the things i, I love about it yeah yeah it's a you know i i that is definitely a thing like with the boyfriend and with her friends being frustrated that she's always busy being frustrated that she has to run out of places to take calls is understandable but the way that they're all kind of like you've changed you you actually care <laughs> about your career now like oh disgusting yeah that bit in the in the museum in like the theater the art gallery sorry where like christian is kind of like hit- I think that's his name. The blonde reporter guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Where he's like kind of hitting on Andrea, Andy. um, And the friend sees that. And she's like, the guy that, and the Andy I used to know was madly in love with her boyfriend. I don't know anything about this Andy. This Andy is slightly better dressed and got hit on by some random guy. Like it's (laughs) a little dramatic. Right. And kind of, you know, blaming her for all of that. Exactly. But again, you can like kind of see where everything like comes from it's uh, such a like interesting stew of just i don't know emotions yeah yeah um and i promise we don't have to keep harping on about this particular 
focus this this particular section of the movie but no 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 my friends suck yeah just and like the way the boyfriend like wants to be a chef and at the end he's like oh i've got this new job in in boston and you can come up there with me for my job <laughs> and it's like you know she's given up her job to you know kind of save that relationship and you know for other reasons too but um yeah anyway i talk a lot on this show about how much I love Meryl Streep yeah, and how I think, you know, I don't think I'm the, I know I'm not the only person who thinks this, but that she is one of the most incredible actors this world has ever known. Yeah. And her performance in this, it turns something, you know, she said, this is something that could be just like a light frivolous, uh, throwaway, uh, thing if it was in the wrong hands and the rest of the cast as well, but having her in the middle of it, that that performance is just out of control. I agree. It very easily could have been like a, like a kind of goofy little like, Oh, that's like, it's so easy. Like, I feel like if I was given that role, I probably would have uh, overplayed it, but just having her and Anne Hathaway, honestly, there um, just kind of center it. Cause also when you have such insane characters, like Emily, like that's, a character written to be overplayed. Not that Emily Blunt overplayed her. Poor choice of words, but <laughs> it's a character meant to stand out and be like, just noticed, you know? That's kind of the whole point of her character. She needs to be noticed. And I think if everyone starts to be like that, you just have, you know, some amalgamation of just intolerable people to watch. Mm -hmm. But again, having, as you said, Meryl Streep there, just kind of grounds it. Like, it gives someone people to be noticed by, you know, right? as opposed to everyone is trying to be noticed by everyone. But, you know, there's no one to like to notice them in the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like with that character in particular and the way that she's styled, it could so easily be like, you know, Cruella de Vil, where it's this kind of caricature of. Uh, um, yeah, I know what you mean. And like really making her a one dimensional villain instead of saying she can be mean. She is mean some of the time, but she also, you know, there's she's a complex, fully realized person instead of just like this sketch character, uh, you know, <laughs> really one dimensional version of a, a mean boss. Yeah, that was like The Devil Wears Prada was the first movie I, I ever remember watching with my mom because like I, I, I I don't know, I would watch like Bollywood films with her, but I didn't really watch films with my parents, mostly because of stuff that they watched, they wouldn't let me watch. Mm. But that m movie, I just remember like hating, because, you know, I was really young. So I just immediately, anything that was negative, I was just like outraged against. So I remember hating Miles Streep's character so, so much. And then just that scene where she breaks down, like not even where she breaks down crying to Andrea, but even the scene where she's like, it's, I don't know, I don't know, drizzling. Like, you know, that mm. scene? She, there's still just so much like pain in her. Eye. It's not that she's selfish, or it's not that she's like I just I I demand to be there right now, you know. Where as you were saying, it could have so easily been like a sketch of caricature of that. Just like get me to Los Angeles now. I need to see my babies. It's just genuine pain that she won't be able to be there for her daughters, and that hurts her. And that's why she's I don't know. I guess like lashing out. And it's not even that. It's just how important this is to her that she's willing to risk death or like she's willing to fire people who won't be able to make that happen for her just if, just because of how much she cares right and you know they kind of propound on that a little later into the film but yeah i don't know i think there's just such yeah again like you, you said it perfectly where it could have very very easily have been that you know one note kind of villain role 
Right. Right. And just taking, um, you know, those moments where she's like, she is a very powerful person. She is very demanding. She has, you know, become accustomed to just having people do whatever she wants them to do, but that there are reasons behind the things that she's doing. And it's not just that she's, you know, being demanding for the sake of being demanding. And also that, you know, famous monologue about, uh, Andy's sweater and how she's like yeah I used to know that monologue back to front like I, I knew it like really really well I think I had that, that monologue memorized I don't know I forgot it now but <laughs> like it's yeah like she just I was again rewatching the movie and I never noticed this before but she just knows like I she's right there's no one who could have done that the way she does like it seems like she's like constantly asking about like random things but that's scene where she's just like I need to know about the pony I need um to get like this guy on the phone and I swapped in this look for this. Like, how do you remember all of that? Mm. And then even the scene in the boardroom where she's like, no, we did that two years ago. She doesn't even think about that. It's just instinct. She knows what they've done. And a very famous, you know, Cerulean monologue. She knows what they've done. She, even Nigel, she's like, you weren't, you worried a little bit too much like the, you know, this catalog from two years ago. She just has that knowledge. Like, it's not, it, she, she backs it up. You know, she, it, there's a reason for that. And you see it in the movie. Time for a quick break, because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And then also the acting choices that Meryl Streep makes, where all of that stuff is very controlled and her tone of voice is very even. It's not, she's not yelling. She's not, uh, you know, having some tantrum about any of this stuff. It's just, (laughs) hmm, you think (laughs) that blah, 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 Um, which again is just like, a a clear indication of what a magnificent performer she is yeah and i don't know if you know this but this is the only movie where meryl streep tried method acting i i did see that yeah and i mean this is also a famous thing like going up to anne hathaway the first day on set and saying i'm so happy you're here i can't wait to work with you this is the last nice thing that i'm going to say to you and then just like for the rest of the (laughs) shoot just you know kept herself away from everybody and whatever but it also made her so miserable that she said she never wanted to do it again it was you know getting left out of all the fun Mm -hmm. i i I did i like devoured a bunch of her interviews after i don't know just like one day and i don't know i've always thought about if the movie would be different or not whether or not she decided to do that you know Mm -hmm. i feel like method acting is it has its pros and cons but uh for a character like that how easy can it be to 
kind of hate everyone on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I anytime I watch a movie, I'm like, how would I have like approached that role or whatever? And I think uh, I couldn't have, I guess, just manifested that. I'm sorry, I'm trying to look for the word for it, but that just entitlement that because she, she doesn't. Again, I guess part of the reason why she's never t- throwing a tantrum is because she's not seeking attention. She has no desire to prove someone wrong. She just knows that they are. And <laughs> she doesn't care if she receives attention or not. She doesn't care if she's famous. She just knows that she's the best. And I don't think I could have come up with that certainty, just that absolute certainty that she has um, without method, act- method acting a little, just in the way that she did. So, I, I mean, Meryl Streep is such an incredible actor. I think she could have pulled it off without that. I don't know. It's just, it's interesting that to think it like, would it have been different if she didn't do that? Right. And, you know, I definitely have very strong opinions about method acting and I think it is really selfish and I hate it. Um, But that is the point is it's like, this is someone who is so skilled. She is, you know, at the top of her field. And I don't think she did need that. She has proven through every other performance she's done in her career the you know three oscar winning performances the whatever umpteen number of oscar nominations she's had and none of the rest of them have involved method acting so that's always my uh question to people who do that it's like you know you are not actually a fashion mogul you don't actually edit vogue you are just an actor and you know you can turn that on and off it's okay but i i don't know whatever gets people where they need to be as long as they aren't affecting other people. I think that's where it kind of crosses the line for me. That's the biggest thing. I, I don't, yeah, I really don't care about like method. I actually, I don't method act and I don't think I would, but for roles like that, I think I definitely would try to in the, in the way that Meryl Streep does where it doesn't affect people. Cause, um, or even like, like for Percy Jackson, there's a bunch of really difficult scenes and it's not so much as method acting it's just staying in it as just knowing what you're about to do. It's just like leaving like you behind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And our acting coach, because I have a, just an awful habit of breaking when it comes to like talking to people on set or just like messing around with my castmates. Um, and it was really bad in the beginning. And like looking back, I just feel so bad that our acting coach had to put up with that. Because um, <laughs> I was, I don't know, every note he gave would like, I would have to like make a joke on it or something. And I, I kind of learned as we went on, like, this is a, like, like I'm working on a show where I need to kind of keep that focus. I, it wasn't even like his direction. I just ended up learning on my, like learning the hard way that if I didn't stay in it, I wouldn't get the performance that I wanted. And I kind of talked to him a little bit about it, just, you know, in passing as we were breaking down a scene and he's like, yeah, well, people are going to remember you for your work, not how funny you were offset. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And I was like, that's a really good point. And I just, I feel bad. Like, especially for like those difficult scenes. I don't, I, I'm more than happy to give my fellow actors their space and like, you know, <laughs> sorry, this is going to sound really pretentious. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I really want them to have, you know, their, their time to prepare or whatever for those difficult scenes. Walker and Lee, especially because they get a really bad, you know, they, they have their lion's share of those emotional scenes, but because I want them to do good. But when it comes to me, when I have those kind of scenes, I just, I can't, I feel uncomfortable like staying in it. And that's the biggest thing is that, you know, you feel uncomfortable with staying in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you kind of want to escape it, but you kind of have to stop doing that. And you want to like joke around with you and you want to like just be friendly to everyone on set because you worry like, oh, if I don't laugh at their jokes, they're going to hate me. <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think when it starts to cross over into you start thinking everyone else is also method acting where it's just selfish and 
potentially unnecessary. Yeah. And it does depend on, you know, I guess method acting is kind of a nebulous term. It can mean, yeah, it means different things to different people. And if you're talking about Jared Leto sending dead rats to people when he's playing the Joker, I think that is really crossing the line. But the thing about this with Meryl Streep, like separating herself from the cast, the thing that makes me feel sad for her is that the rest of them were so close and really had a wonderful fun experience and got to know each other and she was you know they still really appreciated working with her and love her but they weren't able to develop the same kind of relationship with her like you know emily blunt talks about you know everybody else coming to her wedding and um you know eventually stanley tucci married her sister and um yeah you know they're all like really intertwined in each other's lives and maybe they still have that kind of relationship with Meryl Streep. But I think, you know, getting to have some of the joy of working together and being on set is another real part of it. Yeah. The the reason I love this job so much is because, you know, mostly because the partly because the people you meet, I couldn't imagine working on this show if I couldn't like hang out with Walker or something, you know, Mm. or um, like just go out with Leah and and Dior and Charlie or whoever else. If I had to stay in my trailer all day, that'd, that'd just be awful. I mean, it maybe would get a better performance out of me, but I kind of see where she's coming, especially because it's a it's a film, so it's not like a TV show where you have to where that kind of relationship is key for seasons to come. It's just a film where, like, not just a film, but you know, you're only working together for three, four, five months. So, um, I think there's a little more leniency for her to do that. I don't know. I I, I can't like complain about what she did because you know I I couldn't have done it without doing that. Oh, it's just it's it's really interesting to think about, like, like where where that idea first like came from, or like how she realized that like I might need to try something different for this role, or if that was if it just like came naturally to her, or you know, oh, it's such I just like thinking about that. Yeah, and then the fact that she said I never want to do this again, she hated it. It's like I guess yeah. you know you have to try things, but right, the fact that she waited until she was fifty-five to even attempt that. Um, is is crazy to me. I'm I'm glad on this film as opposed to anything else. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, anything that would have meant, you know, really torturing herself or living in a hut for, you know, six weeks or whatever. Yeah. But all you know, the the rest of the supporting cast, uh, like you said, really did a wonderful job and really fleshed things out. Um and Emily Blunt, even though she's maybe the one who's the the most like uh she's not over the top. She she plays it no. really well but that character is a little like frantic yeah and that ended up being the part that kind of led to her being a gigantic star it was really the thing that uh launched her career properly so yeah but like everybody is so so incredible yeah i just there's always like my, my family kind of like makes goals for like we all kind of make goals for me like when it comes to my career so it was like when i got my first commercial it was like oh that's great uh we we joke that it's a very like asian parent thing to do it's like yeah this is fine but it's not like you know this or whatever <laughs> um it's just kind of like a running gag that we had and we ended up turning it into like a real thing <laughs> like a real like whenever i came home with like a 90 on my test i'd be like i got an a my dad's like why not 100 <laughs> and it's just like a, like a running gag and we ended up doing that for like my, whenever I started acting, where I got my first commercial, I was like, I got my first professional role. And my dad's like, oh, you haven't already gotten an Oscar? Oh, whatever. <laughs> and 
you know, my mom kind of joined the joke too. And eventually it started building where it's like, all right, now that I've gotten a commercial, I have to get a co-star and a guest star. And then I have to get a recurring. Then I have to get like, um, like a movie on like streaming and then I have to get a series regular. And it took almost 13 years to get to my series. I like made a bunch of like bets with people like, um, oh, if I get a series regular, I'll do this for you or like whatever. Or they were like, if you get a series regular, you have to like mention me in this interview or like whatever. <laughs> and eventually I got to that point and it was just like a huge sigh of relief. And now my next goal is, you know, being in a film that releases in cinemas, I think is a big thing because I love like theater culture. Um, and I, I really want to contribute to that. Like just people going to the movies, I think is incredible. And so this is kind of, this is, you know, you see a movie and you're like, this is the kind of film I want to be in. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was definitely that for me. This is also kind of like the first movie where I started realizing I should take acting a little more seriously. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, it was mostly just about like the attention. Because, you know, I'm an only child. So I, I always got all the attention. And I was <laughs> a very needy kid, um, which is kind of apparent if you go see some of my earlier work. <laughs> it's kind of always about like the the bit or whatever getting laughs and um i think when i saw this movie I, I was just like oh i i i think it should be less about you know getting eyes or cameras on me and more about just being a good actor i think mm. and so i i do owe a lot of credit it holds a very special place in my heart for that reason yeah and also just seeing that you know when you are concentrating on the acting and you know not as uh conscious of the audience's eyes on you while you're acting it's gonna have the same effect it's gonna make people want to watch you and make that performance even more captivating so um yeah it all kind of yeah goes to the same goal it's like um yeah it's it's also because there are like comedic beats and that it's not a drama or anything in like devil wars prada but like the comedic beats i just on like my second or third rewatch, I, I realized it's funny because they don't think it's funny. And that's such like a base, like it's such a stupid thing for me to realize after like two or three watches. Because it's just like a fundamental, like you never really like think it's just assumed. Like, yeah, you can't be in on the gag with the audience. Otherwise, you're taking them out of it, which is like, you know, you can't act like you're in an SNL gig. You know, you can't be laughing with the audience. But I think, again, I, I was really young when I realized this and I had like heard it in acting classes and I never really got it. I had always just kind of been like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, whatever. But I would still take pride in making the audience laugh. And I would like kind of be in on the gag with them. But I don't know, just watching, watching this movie is kind of what made me realize I should probably chill a little bit <laughs> with, you know, like the SNL acting, which is a very <laughs> blanket term. It's, but you know what I mean, right? Mm hmm. Like, yeah, I just, I don't know, something about, this was like the first movie that I didn't, that I watched that wasn't like Lego Ninjago, you know? So this was my first introduction into like real proper, like, I don't know what people consider like good acting. So I kind of like this, this movie kind of, this film taught me a lot about, you know, what you're supposed to do as an actor if you want to take it seriously, I guess. Right. And, you know, this movie is... A comedy, a drama, somewhere in between. So, yeah, it's a little bit of both. But again, it's like all the, the comedy is so grounded. Mm -hmm. None of them think it's funny. Like, it's, right. it just is. It just is. And that's it's like such a cool thing to realize that you're in. Like, I want to be in a, yeah, or just like I, I, I look up to movies where people just know it's fun. Like, it just is funny. Just the writing in the world and the characters just kind of lend themselves to that happening naturally as opposed to writing being like a little, you know, ha. 
Yeah. And like you're saying, the writing, the characters, the story provide the humor and you can just play it straight and, you know, really be in that world and not have to do like uh, look at the audience and go, get it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Again, this was like the first movie I'd ever seen that like did that, that just played it straight. Let the audience know it was funny. Yeah. I don't know. It was just like, it's just such a cool thing to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think that is a lovely place to, uh, to finish. So, um, thank you very much for making time for me. This has been really fun. Of course. Thank you so much. That was a lovely discussion. I love talking about movies. So that was, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks again to Ariane for chatting with me. Percy Jackson and the Olympians is streaming now on Disney plus and Ariane is in it and you should watch it. And that's about it for this time around. Uh, No new spark from me. I already gave you one this week. Stop being so greedy. Uh, Please follow me on social media at Spark Parade. Please rate the show five stars and leave me a sweet and lovely little review wherever you can. And until next time, bye. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.